Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, and I know firsthand how much confusing and conflicting information there is out there about how we assess and treat swallowing disorders. This podcast is all about bringing everyone together, getting on the same page, being open to new ideas, and using evidence-based treatment strategies for our patients with dysphagia. So let's get into it. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on. I feel like you are like this this diamond that just appeared in my life a few months ago, and you've just been this wonderful wealth of knowledge that I didn't even know existed. And I actually, I was I was pre-recording a, um, a little blurb earlier today about Kelsey, who was on a few episodes ago, and I was like, I don't know where this girl came from. I love doing this podcast because I get to meet all these great people and these people just appear and you have no idea they even existed. And that's how I feel like it was with you too, Jessica. Someone was like, you have to meet this girl, Jessica. And then you've just been, I mean, you're such a help with contributing resources to the MedSLP Collective and Mobile Fees Company in Arizona. And so thank you. (laughs) Hiding out amongst the Saguaros out here. Yes. Well, thank you for coming out into SLP land. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) All right. So tell the people a little about who you are. Well, I, of course, am a speech-language pathologist. I've practiced in a lot of different areas of our field from outpatient, which is where I started, which was at an outpatient neuroclinic. And then I transferred into an inpatient hospital. And then at the same time, decided that I wasn't working enough. So I picked up a gig with this (laughs) supplemental healthcare company that sent me all over the state. So I got to work in LTAC, SNFs, a little bit of home health. I was out on a reservation where, you know, you're just out on your own. And I learned so much and it was so meaningful to me that I then took all of what I was learning and transferred to a trauma one hospital where I kind of set my roots down, you know, and I was able to do a lot of program development and we were able to make a lot of changes for the better. And then we joined up with a bunch of other hospitals and, you know, that's kind of kept me busy until a few years ago, I decided that, um, you know, there was just this big gaping hole in the system of getting an instrumental study that I totally took for granted that I had access to every single day for every patient. And I could do them every two days if I wanted to on my patients. But out in the real world, you know, I would have the recommendations of needs a repeat instrumental study in three to four days. And we were getting calls with people saying, well, it just, it doesn't work that way. There is literally no one to come to us. Yeah, And so I decided to start a mobile fees to kind of at least give some services to these patients that really just don't have much of anything. And to these SLPs that are, I feel like they're floundering. And I, when I was doing a lot of the, the supplemental work, I kind of felt the same way. Like I would see a patient and then I'd be like, well, I, I just don't know. And I know I can't throw every exercise at you that's inappropriate, but I don't know what exercise to give you. And now I'm terrified of you and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I created my mobile fees company mainly because, you know, there wasn't any services out there for people and for patients. And I really wanted them to at least have an option. You know, again, fees isn't always appropriate for every single patient every time, but there's a large percentage of patients that can definitely benefit from it. And it at least is something that, you know, can be done and gotten into a facility quickly. And interestingly enough, you know, I, over the years, 
you know, have done both fees and MBS. And I think I was, I fell into that very classical category of being a therapist that loved my MBS. But now that I've been doing fees more and more and more, and I see how amazing and the utility of it, it like you can do so much more with it because you're just not limited to a radiologist, a chair, and this three minute window of time. And so I now am just completely obsessed with fees. I just think it's the best and feel like I just get such amazing outcomes for my patients. This is my little like spiel. On. I love it. <laughs> and I, I didn't pay you to say that or anything like that. You know, people, people think I just stand on this like fee soapbox and I like pay everyone to say how wonderful it is. And I don't at all. That wasn't even like in our agenda to say tonight. But I, I love what you said, Jess. I mean, you've done videos for forever mm-hmm. and now you're just seeing the utility that fees can have also. And I've never, ever, ever wanted to pit one against the other. I just freaking want people to have access to something. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, especially I'm sure you service some really rural places. I do. Out there in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> They're hiding behind all those saguaros. <laughs> yes. There you go. A roadrunner goes cruising by. Ah! <laughs> all right. So what are we going to talk about tonight, Jess? Well, I mean, well, there's a ton of things, but one of the, th- the topics I keep seeing pop up on the forums, the collective, just kind of everywhere, even just within my own personal life. I have a lot of people that'll reach out is, you know, this clinician that's in this job that they just don't find to be ideal for whatever reason. And they are looking to make a change, but they are just unable to, for whatever reason. And a lot of that, a lot of times that comes to, they don't know how to get from point A to point B and how to find people to support them to get from point A to point B. And so about, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I within myself decided that I was going to pick two people who had told me that they had interest in getting out of their situation and I was just going to mentor them. So I was going to take them and I was going to give them, you know, advice, hook them up with other people and really just see like, am I nuts? Like, can people change? Like, are they willing to change? And both stories turned out great. Like both of my mentees were able to get out of situations that they were not pleased with. One was from a school and she ended up, she wanted to go to a skilled nursing facility. She liked the concept of, you know, a day that she could control how many hours she had a really flexible schedule where maybe she could work on the weekends and just different things like that in the adult medical population. And then my other mentee wanted to go from a skilled nursing facility into a higher level of care. And so I feel like every day I'm getting text messages and emails from people saying, you know, how do I get out of the sniff or how do I get out of the schools? And, you know, I, I just, you know, think that there's not a perfect cookie cutter method to get out, but I do think that there's some advice that I could give them, you know, and this is a great forum because it's just going to go out to everybody. So one of the first things I tell everybody that I take on to mentor, because I'm not able to take on everybody, but I try to give the same advice to everybody is pick an area, pick an area where you want to live, pick an area where you want to work, pick a population that you want to work with and research the heck out of all of those aspects before you set your grand goal on that. Because I know when I first went into the industry, I was so determined to be an outpatient neuro. You could not have told me that there was any other type of treatment out there. And I 
didn't maybe do my homework to the best that I should have. And I ended up in a job that wasn't ideal for me. And so I tell people, you know, if you want to live in, you know, Boston and you want to do home health, call around, you know, what home health agencies are there? Can you talk to any of the speech pathologists that are on staff? You know, every time somebody calls me or um, they'll call into the hospital and my coworkers will pick up, we are so extremely happy to talk to people. Like, we're like, yes, please come in for lunch. We'll go out. We'll meet you for happy hour. Like, you know, we understand it's a rough industry out there and we want to talk to you because if your goal is to end up in the hospital and I see you as a go-getter, I'm looking at you going, sweet, you could be my next coworker. That's going to be amazing and help me out. And so it helps like just calling to the place that you want to work and say, hi, my name is so-and-so and and I'd like to talk to you and, you know, just get an idea of like, what does your day-to-day look like? What are the things you most love about your job? What are the things that are the most stressful? And what do you look for in somebody that's applying to work with you? And it's amazing what you can find out just with those simple questions. Yeah. So, you know, I think probably the most common thing I see on the forums is how do I go from the sniff to the acute care setting? Yeah. And I will say, you know, that is depending on your area, that can be a really tough jump because in our field, the more coveted job, of course, typically is an acute care center or a trauma center. And so I know when I was looking to make the change, the jobs weren't necessarily oversaturated, but they definitely weren't just like floating around, like, please come take us. Yeah. (laughs) And so something I did is to get my foot in the door, I just talked, I called into a hospital and was like, hi, my name is Jessica. And I would love to talk to you about what you do there. I'm a speech therapist and I, you know, I'm just fascinated by the thought of inpatient, you know, could I meet you for lunch? And I met a therapist who was like, sure, let's do this. And she probably, I mean, we probably spent four hours that first time we met just like chatting at a Starbucks. And she told me everything that I would need to do to be considered a qualified candidate for them, you know, because each hospital is going to have a different culture and a different set of expectations. And so for me to have just gone and taken a bunch of CEUs, they might not have even been applicable to the population that that particular hospital got. And the hospital I was looking into was a lot of homeless. There was a lot of homelessness, a lot of people without insurance, a lot of people of a wide variety of different cultures and backgrounds. They had a lot of patients who didn't speak English. And so they, of course, had a large population of psych, prior TBIs, chronic dysphagia. And so it was a very complex population. And then I knew right then and there I couldn't just go and take your average set of CEUs and get the job. I had to look and do my homework. So I was lucky enough that they took a chance on me after I talked and I had went and I had done a couple of courses on just varying concussion, TBI, cognition, a little bit of dysphagia. And I said, you know, if you give me a chance and take me on as PRN, I will work every weekend. (laughs) Every shift you guys do not want, I will be in your hospital working. And they took a chance on me despite having other applicants because I had showed such initiative. Or at least I like to think that's why they took me on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and why well, I love what you said because I, I was talking to someone a few weeks back and it's like, mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to get into a cute care. I, there's no jobs out there, blah, 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 you know, just sob story after sob story. And so finally I just messaged her and I was like, what's going on? Like you said, you've gone on interviews. Like, what are they saying? And she's like, I really want to work at this one hospital, but they said that I need MBS experience and I don't have any, and I don't know how to get any. And I said, what if you maybe call and see about taking the MBS IMP? And she said, I did call and they said that if I took that, then I would definitely be qualified to get a job there. And I said, okay, well, then why don't you try to do that? And she's like, well, I'm not going to just spend the money without the guarantee of a job. And I'm like, well, you you kind of have to. Like, if that's what you want to do and yeah. you want to work in acute care, you're going to end up doing modifieds anyways. So having the MBS IMP on your resume is only going to look a bajillion times better to a ton of hospitals out there, let alone the one that you really, really want to work at that you live across the street from. So, (laughs) and I agree, you know, we, once I was more established at my hospital, we have a, when we hire somebody on, we do it as a group. We don't ever just individually, like our boss just doesn't hire and then tell us who it's going to be. And we had an applicant who honestly had no acute care experience. She was moving from across the country. She'd only been in skilled nursing and what tipped the scales for us to hire her is she actually went and shadowed on a mobile MBS bus with her own time for a few months and learned MBS that way. And then she took every course online about MBS she could get her hands on to say, listen, like, I I know I can't get the fees experience, but I can get the MBS experience. And I'm going to show you that I'm hungry for this job. And we were like, sure, you're in. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some, some girl just posted in the collective today that she just signed up to go shadow on an MBS bus. Yeah. I was like, yes, do it. So yeah, probably yeah. my biggest piece of advice to people is you're not, things aren't going to be handed to you in life. You have to work for them and you, you have, have to, to go get them to be, yeah, you have to be a go-getter. You have to show initiative. If you want something, you have to put aside your feelings that you're tired or that you'd rather be on the couch watching TV. And you have to say, you know what? I can do that in the future. It will be there. Trust me, the couch is going nowhere. But that job, it might be gone. So I need to go and I need to launch myself. You know, again, think about everything we did to get into grad school. I mean, I know I worked so hard. I did so many extra things. I worked in a lab. I was, I was a I was free labor for years so that I could look good to get into grad school. Yeah. a fifth of that amount of energy put towards something to get your dream job. That's not that much yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I know. I don't know why all of a sudden ever, like, I don't know if it's entitlement. I don't know if it's instant gratification. It's like people just, they want to know, well, if I spend this $300 on this course, I want to know that I'm going to get that job. And it's like, that's really not how life goes. Like, yeah. I don't, I, I posted something on my Facebook page the other day. There's in Buffalo, we just got a Chick-fil-A. Woo. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> there was this article in like the business section about the, it's a girl, it's a woman that opened the Chick-fil-A franchise here. And she wrote that, that she decided like when she graduated from business school 10 years ago, that she was going to open a Chick-fil-A franchise. Mm-hmm. And that was nine years ago that she applied. And every year they kept coming back to her and saying, okay, you're in the running, but you need to do this, this, and this to move forward in the process. So she would do it and then it would say, okay, well, now you need to go shadow this person, learn this form of accounting, do this. I guess like their franchise program is really rigorous. Oh, wow. 
And like, not once did she say like, oh, well, I need to make sure this is going to be guaranteed. You know, (laughs) she went through the entire process for nine years and now she's been given this Chick-fil-A on like the busiest street in Buffalo. That's like a three hour wait to get in there. Wow. You know, so it's, I just love like the story of like the tenacity, Uh you know, do I really think you should have to wait nine years to get your dream job? No, but like keep persevering and keep doing the things that are going to put you in the running to even be considered for those things. Don't set, you know, don't take yourself out of the running just because you, you know, like you said, you need to watch Desperate Housewives on the weekend. Well, exactly. And at least in my area here in Phoenix, we are very oversaturated with clinicians. I mean, we, in my network opened a job and within a day, I think there was like 12 applicants. So you also need to keep in mind, like, you need to have something that sets you apart from everybody else. Because I will tell you, the new grads, at least in my area, they're coming out with MBS IMP. They're coming out with fees passes. They're coming out with experience. You though, what makes you more marketable is you have bedside experience. So go get those CEUs, go do those things, and then market yourself with your practical knowledge. But you have to realize that you're going to have to start marketing yourself And I think a lot of the more urban areas, you know, maybe in the rural areas, there's still more jobs that are just more readily available. But I see those days kind of starting to be a little bit behind us. Yeah. So I like, I like seeing people that are hungry for those better jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. I I love, I love everything about you said, Jess. I just, I love people that are go-getters and, you know, and I I think what's important that you said too, is that that you said you opened the job and within 12 days or within a day, you had 12 applicants. I know, you know, some people are like, well, you know, it'll take me a few days to get my resume together. Like, no, like as soon as I, and I, I really got in a bad habit of doing that. Like I would let like a year pass by and I would do a lot of cool stuff within that year mm-hmm. and I would forget about it. And then like crunch time would come. I want to throw together a resume super quick. And I'm like, crap, what was all like the cool stuff that I've done that I know I need to put on here. And like, I know people ask me that too, for the, for the BCS, I'm going to go off on a total other tangent here, but I've been getting so many emails lately about people that their like BCS apps have been getting rejected. Yes. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll talk to me, tell me what's going on. And they're like, well, you know, I, and I'm like, well, what have you been up to? Like, what do you, what have you been doing? They're like, well, I did this and I did this and I did this and I started this journal club and you know, all these things. And I'm like, why is none of this on your application? Yeah. And they're like, well, I didn't know if that was important. I'm like, everything's important. Like (laughs) any type of like initiative that you show that you basically advocated for dysphagia services in your area, you started a new program. I mean, all that stuff is, is not easy. It's time consuming and it's definitely worthwhile. And it definitely looks wonderful to the application committee to, you know, someone hiring for a job at a level one trauma center, Yeah, you know, one of the things I started doing several years ago, I had a a boss who just kind of gave me this advice was she was like, anytime you do something that's really cool or really amazing, like have one piece of paper or one document on your computer somewhere where you are listing that out because you're going to forget. You're going to forget that thing that you did in January that maybe was an initiative that was really important and amazing to you then, but come December, you're on to the fifth or sixth initiative. So write it down write it down and keep a journal of just your, whatever it is. But, you know, for me, it was, you know, my professional goals and what I've accomplished. And I think she was telling me to do it more for like review time, but I took that as, oh, like, I'm going to start keeping this for everything in life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so 
applying for the BCS, applying for that new job, you know, mentoring other people to kind of tell them, you know, these are the things that even just I've been able to accomplish. Imagine what if you were a part of this and what you could accomplish and what we could accomplish together. And, you know, just to use that even as like a way to kind of help other people feel inspired because there's times I look around and there's just so many things that need to be done. I feel like I get in a panic and I just freeze and then I have to take a breath and think, okay, like what is one thing I could accomplish? And sometimes having those goals and like writing down things reminds me like I can get it done if I focus. Yep. So yeah, I am the queen of like the one thing. Like mm-hmm. people always, like people say, how do you get so much done? It's like, I don't, I focus on one big, like I tackle one huge project at a time. Yeah. And sure it's time consuming. And sometimes I want to rip my hair out and it sucks at times, <laughs> but then you get it done and it's like, holy shit, I actually did that. Yeah. And like, I mean, I've been doing that for like the last four or five years of my career. And I look back now and I'm like, holy cow. I mean, looking back, I've strung together like five years worth of cool shit. Yeah. Like, (laughs) but if you, I mean, if you, if I were to sit and think like, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. Like, that's terrifying. Like that would throw me back on the couch with bonbons and a heartbeat. But (laughs) if you (laughs) break it down into tackling one big project and promise you can do it. And I promise there's a lot of other people that have done it that would be happy to guide you through the process. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people that want to do it too, Mm -hmm. that would be happy to be your, you know, accountability buddy. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I will tell you every time I go to do something, I look around me and I look at who can I talk to? Who can I ask? Who can we work together? And I am beyond blessed. I work with like the coolest, most amazing SLPs on the face of the planet in my hospitals and especially at the campus I work at. But we all are like, okay, if this is the project one of us wants to work on, we all are going to work on it together in some way. And we're going to support the other to accomplish that goal. And if you start getting into the ment- that mentality with all the SLPs around you, you're just going to be able to do so much. And that's where I tell people, like, if you are in that school and you are stuck, call reach out. You are going to be floored at how many people want to help you. They want to. And the ones that don't move on from them, just move on. Don't even let it bother you. Go to the next SLP because we are all, we want to support and help each other because we were all either you at some point, or we realize where we're where we are and we want to have cool people around us. So we want to train other people to come be with us. And so, you know, I just, I can't tell you enough how you're introverted, you're shy, just, I get it, but it is so helpful. Reach out, do it once, take a breath, you know, schedule that time in your book of, okay, on Tuesday at 10 AM, I am going to call into that hospital and I'm going to leave my name and number, or I'm that SLP that picks up the phone. I am going to engage them in a conversation and put myself out there and invite them to Starbucks where I buy them an iced tea or a coffee. And there you go. Just do it. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Jess. Oh, I love it. Thanks so much for sharing all that. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I get on these rants too. So I love to hear other people go on them too. I am, I am a big, big ranter. I will go on my soapbox that's okay. all day, every day. <laughs> oh, that, that's great. That's great. All right. So what's, what's next? Where are we going next here? Oh man. Um, well, so, so you, I mean, people ask constantly, like, how do I find a mentor in my area? And, <laughs> and I mean, I think that just piggybacks on everything that you said. I mean, calling around to the facilities. I mean, people get, you know, I don't know who to call. I don't know who to find. Does anybody have any recommendations? Like you said, call somebody. I I just was actually at a facility yesterday. 
sweetest, sweetest girl just moved there from out of town. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I I can't believe, like, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so lost. And she's like, would you mind if I, like, texted you, like, some questions? I was like, please do. Oh, my God. And she's like, oh, my God, really? Like, it was funny (laughs) because she asked me and, like, didn't expect me to say yes. (laughs) I was like, of course. I'm like, I'm here to service your building. Like, please reach out to me if you need anything. She's like, oh, my God, that's that's incredible. So I was like, I'm so glad you asked, you know, I mean, had she not asked, she might have still just been in the same, you know, cruddy situation. And she has no mentorship at this Mm -hmm. building. I feel horrible for her, but you just got to ask people. I agree. I will (laughs) tell you for every building, whether or not they have a contract with me or not, I always tell them, you know what, at the end of the day, I don't care. I mean, I do this because I have a passion. I just happen to be able to have a business with it. And so whether or not you sign a contract, I don't care. Like, I want your SLPs to be a part of what I'm doing. I want them to reach out to me because if they're confused and they have a question and they can't find an answer, it's the patient that suffers. And I always think of what if that was my grandpa in that bed that was suffering because they didn't have somebody to reach out to. And so it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I'm going to answer them. And I will say, I know a lot of SLPs that feel the same way. They're in the hospitals and they're like, call me, please. Like they want to talk. And it's, fun to talk about patients and cases and problem solve. Like I think we all to some degree have, we crave that or we wouldn't be in this field. Yeah. It's all our inner speech nerd. (laughs) It totally is on a day to day. I'm like, please text me. Like what crazy case do you have right now? Because I would love to hear about it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, I love that Jess. So, um, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, do you have mobile fees in your area? Do you have mobile MBS in your area? Do you have, you know, a hospital in your area where you could call in and talk to the, talk to the clinician. If you're really lucky and you have like a specialty clinic near you call. I mean, if Mayo is in your backyard and you're not calling those SLPs and asking questions, then I don't know what else to do to help you because (laughs) it is right there. And if you are somewhere super rural mentorship, I mean, it doesn't have to be face to face, call the next big town over and say, Hey, you know, can I pick your brain about something? And would you mind if every now and then I called you and people do that from all over the state into our hospitals, you know, whether they've sent a patient for MBS or whatever it may be into our outpatient clinic. And we always are willing to talk with them and guide them. And even if it's not our patient, if they call and they're like, Hey, I am stumped, please help. We're like, yes, we are more than willing to help. We might be stumped too, but then we can be stumped together. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's the worst when they call and they have like so many big hopes and dreams and you're yeah. like, I, dude, I have no idea what to do with this person. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, I mean, we're all human, you know, yeah. we're not going to know how to, how, there's not a cure for every single patient. There's not an answer for every single patient. So no, I think vul- vulnerability is a beautiful thing. So yes, I, I love it when people can truly say, you know what, I don't know. And it's okay. And truly be okay. That's something I had to come to terms with a few years ago. I was probably the worst at it. And then I realized how freeing it was to just say, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I mean, there's a case actually right now at our hospital that there's another clinician and I, we've been seeing this patient and we just cannot figure out the underlying etiology of her profound dysphagia. And as awful it is, as, as it is, we had to turn to our physicians and say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I can tell you what's going on. I can tell you the physiology. I can tell you what I think. But every time we started going down a path, they'd be like, nope, that's that can't be because of A, B, and C. And so we're just like, I don't know. And 
at some point, you know, you have to say, that's okay that I don't know and keep getting other people in because eventually somebody will. Yeah. I mean, I think even like, I I think I go back to like when I used to watch Grey's Anatomy like 10 years ago or something. (laughs) And it's like all the doctors like huddle in the room and like, like, well, I don't know. Could it be this? Or or even like House. I yeah. used to love oh, that oh, show gosh, when that yes. was on. But I mean, every single episode was like a puzzle. Yes. And and they didn't automatically know the answer every time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, maybe it's this. Maybe we try that. Maybe it's this. And I think that like that's what really helps to build critical thinking skills. Yes. You know, I mean, now I've like I, I just feased a patient yesterday that there was like five different things going on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what do you think we do? And I'm like, I honestly don't know which caused which, which started yeah. which, which, you know, was the beginning of the entire tornado, <laughs> you know? I mean, so sometimes, like you said, you just don't know. And I talked to the doctor and I just said, there's a lot going on here. I honestly don't know where to start or where to end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. I love yeah. it. All right. What's next, Jess? Do we have any more on the mentorship? I feel like we've covered that hopefully well enough for people. Yeah, I think so. I just, I want to tell people like they need, they just need to call. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Reach out. Well, and I think what's important too is like, and I even learned this just like in business is you never know until you ask because that person might lead you to the next person. (laughs) You know, if you call and say, you know, I just have some questions. Would you be willing to meet for Starbucks or something? And they say, ah, you know, I'm like crazy busy, but I know this person loves mentoring people. Like give them a call. So I think that's just what's so important about just putting yourself out there, just asking the dang questions, because even if you don't get that answer right there, like someone is going to lead you to the water. Yeah. That's a great, that's actually so true. Yeah. Was that like five degrees of separation from each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I learned that constantly. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to call. And it's like, was that a good call? And it was like, well, no, because that person didn't help me, but they gave me another person's number and that person knew all the answers. So yeah, it did work out, you know? So, okay. So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on SwallowYourPridePodcast.com, where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills, and thank you so much to all of you for listening.